Thank you for tuning in to the Sports Ethos Mets podcast once again. As always, this is your host, Cody Mallory. You can find me on Twitter, at RealCodyMallory. Tonight, we are not joined by Anthony Dittmar as he has prior obligations. I believe he's in Chicago attending the Wizards and Bulls game. Don't quote me on that, but I believe that's what he said. But I am once again joined by my guy, Joe Farrow, on Twitter. That is at Swamp Dragon Stan. How's it going today, Joe? It's going pretty good for the most part. I'm just very happy that now I am tied with Anthony in our <laughs> So I I am on top of the world right now. I like it. Yeah, Anthony's not here to defend himself. So I'm just gonna throw it out. You guys are gonna throw a lot of hate my way saying I suck, but I'm only <laughs> one game back. And there's still a ton of basketball left to play. So don't get too uh, confident up there. I'm not that I'm not that confident, but I'm just happy that <laughs> Anthony was like two ahead of us for a while. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, no Anthony tonight. So, Joe, it's up to you. Let's do a little around the league. It's going to be pretty brief. There's not too much craziness going on. But, yeah, um, the only thing that's really happening is, well, Clay Thompson is still on track to come back on Sunday. Uh, obviously, Kyrie Irving came back last night. We'll, we'll obviously get to that. And then Drew. Oh, yeah. Drew Holiday and Rudy Gobert have gone into COVID protocols. Um, Drew Holiday will miss tomorrow's game against the Nets. So that's kind of a bonus for the Nets. But as of now, that's basically it going on around the league. Yeah. I mean, we've seen it kind of play out throughout the entire league where when a team has one player going to protocols the next day, they very rarely don't have anyone else go into it. So it'll definitely be something to keep an eye on with Milwaukee. Hopefully they don't lose anyone else. Obviously, we want the Nets to win, but you want to beat the teams when they're at their best. You don't want to beat them when they have G-leaguers or eight guys. So that's something to keep an eye on, but that'll probably take tomorrow when they go through some more testing. Yeah, that's uh, a, just, just a huge so, loss for Milwaukee, though. <laughs> Very 100%. huge loss, especially with how we've been playing defense on guards in recent memory. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for the Nets. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, they struggle. But a little brief standings update. The Bulls are still in first place ahead of our Nets. The Nets are one and a half back. Um, the Bulls just keep on winning. Thankfully, the Nets were able to come back against Indiana, but we'll get back to that. And then you got Milwaukee, Miami, Philly, and Cleveland. Cleveland, the surprise team, obviously, of the year. I think everyone else is pretty much what you expected. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you, but I kind of expected Boston to be a little better than they are. Um, they're in 10th right That's now. They're 18 cool, and 20. Obviously, they've had their own series of injuries. They've lost Jalen Brown, et cetera. But I still – any team that's got two superstars, because I believe Tatum and Brown are both superstars, you expect them to be better at least 500, which they're not. <laughs> Yeah, it's, they're definitely disappointing so far, but you expect them to be better might be a little bit of the hometown. And yeah. <laughs> Bro, like, first <laughs> nah, I'm just going to throw it out there. I am a very much anti-Boston Celtics guy. I might be a Red Sox fan, but I am very much anti-Celtics and very much anti-Patriots. So everyone needs to know that. <laughs> I just had to throw that in there, didn't you? <laughs> I had to. <laughs> and then the West... I mean, we've kind of been talking about how the West is really top-heavy. 
But obviously you got Golden Gate, Phoenix, Tide, both 29 and 8, which is incredible. Then you got Utah, the regular season champs every year, it feels like. <laughs> and then Memphis, who we're going to dive into. Obviously the Nets played Memphis since the last time we talked. So we're going to talk about Memphis a lot, but they've been incredibly impressive lately. They've won six in a row now. They're 7-3 in their last 10. The Memphis players are calling John Morant the best point guard in the NBA. What's your take on that, Joe? I mean, at this point, he's definitely made a case for top three this season, at least. Like, he's been unbelievable. It's hard to dispute anything that John Morant has done this year because you really can't. He's improved so much. I think he, at this point, is probably the lock for most improved player because he's definitely just taken that next step. He's a full full-on superstar at this point. He's a guy that you could build a franchise around. He's a true franchise cornerstone. And it's just like, he's incredible. He's unbelievable, that guy. Yeah, I mean, he's always been like a freak athlete, obviously, coming out of college. It was just a jump shot. I believe when he first came out, he was shooting around like 31 32% from three in the NBA, where it was like, okay, if they set a ball screen, we can go we can go under it, we can hedge hard. Like, we don't really have to switch it because he's not too much of a threat out there. But my man is shooting – I think he's over 40% from three this year, which is an insane jump. But and that was, they always say. And that was the main concern for him coming out of college. It's like, is he going right. to be – they were like, is he just going to be this freak Russell Westbrook-type athlete and have the same type of play style to where he – can somewhat shoot, but, like, you're not going to close out with, like, maximum effort every single time he has the ball on the three-point line. But, like, yeah, he, he's he can't in- just because of how explosive he is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like now he's in that range where it's like if he, you have to respect that three-pointer, and that just gives him all the more space to drive right past you and dunk all over your center. So that's exactly yeah to keep happening he's improved so much he's going to be insane in a few years time yeah i mean even i'm looking i pulled up the stats real quick so first year he attempted 2.73 the game and he shot at 33 percent second year he attempted 3.8 and he shot at 30 percent this year he's attempting 4.3 and he's shooting that at even 40 percent so like that's just an insane jump and he's still young. And if there's one thing you can teach, especially this NBA talent coaches, whatever, shooting coaches, it's shooting. You can't really teach the athleticism that he obviously was just naturally gifted with and probably grinded when he was younger than yet. Yeah, don't tell don't tell uh, Ben Simmons that you could easily fix a jump shot because <laughs> bro, I, I'm saying, have you seen that man on, in practice? He can chew. It's just he's a little cuckoo. If you haven't noticed, uh, Kyrie Irving came back for him, and Kyrie Irving was banished by an entire city. So <laughs> I just, I just kind of throw that out there. <laughs> but with that John Morant talk, we got to talk about the Grizzlies game. Um, it was. Downright embarrassing and pathetic. I don't really know what else to say. Um, Steve Nash played the same guys that he's been playing in the beginning, old veterans that can't really shoot the ball at all. Um, yeah. And 
the score, in my opinion, I don't know if you feel about this show, was closer than the game was. Um, the rookies did a great job when they came in. Rookies, Javon Carter and Bruce Brown at the end to tighten the lead, but the net starters and typical rotational pieces, they were getting straight up embarrassed at home. And it's kind of been the theme all year. Athletic teams, teams that can rebound, and teams with a dominant point guard, the Nets have no answer for. And it's kind of concerning. Yeah, I'm not very – I mean, I, there's like really – I don't know really what to say about that game. I mean, like it ended at a 118-104 to 104 final score. But the rookies came in and they went on like what – it what was it, a 12 12- – Oh, run or something like that. Yeah, I believe it was 12 Yeah, it was. I mean, like, it just wasn't the Nets' night overall. James Harden shot five for 14. KD shot eight for 24. Patty Mills, right. 0 for six from the field in 30 minutes. Like, it was, it was just really, really embarrassing. Um, but there, again, <laughs> there's not much to say. And that's why, and this is, Honestly, I expected this because that's why I decided I picked the Grizzlies to win this game and the Nets lose three in a row for the first time all season. I I was like, all the all these guys on the Grizzlies, they are full of confidence right now. They're all young. They all will they'll run all over the court. They won't stop defending. And all of them can shoot. And all of them just know how to at such a young age, it's actually pretty scary how all of these young role players for the Memphis Grizzlies are so developed. And, like, you could see so many flashes of, like, future stardom in a lot of these guys. Like, Desmond Bain, obviously we talked about John Moran. Jaron Jackson had a really bad game, but, like, it didn't matter because then you got Jarrett Culver giving you 12 off the bench. Brandon Clark gave you 16. Trey, is this Trey or Tyus? I always get them mixed up. That It's Tyus on the Grizzlies. It's Tyus, yes. He gave you, he gave you 12 off the bench. Like, it's like – and then, meanwhile, John Morant put up 36 and Desmond Bain gave 29. Like, these guys, they're all young, they're all hungry, and they wanted to go out and take down the big dog in the Brooklyn Nets, and they did just that. In fact, they sure did, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at the box score right now. Things that stick out to me, obviously, rebounding was just – it was horrible to watch. The Nets got out-rebounded 33 to 61. <laughs> The you know, Grizzlies you know had was. Um, yeah, it was Bruce Brown, right? Yeah, with seven, and then the next, yeah, and the next highest was four. Nobody else had higher than four. Yeah, like that's alarming. I mean, the Nets had thirty-three total rebounds, and the Grizzlies had twenty-three offensive rebounds. <laughs> <laughs> So like that's also really attempted. That's that's also just what Stephen Adams does, though. Like, <laughs> that's fair. He'll just he'll crash the the offensive boards like crazy. Like he finished with twelve boards, and Brandon Clark had seven. I wouldn't be surprised if at least ten offensive rebounds were between them too. Yes, yeah, Stephen Adams had seven. Brandon Clark had four. So they combined for eleven. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So like that's just what them those two guys do. And then Jaron Jackson, like I said, he had an off night, but. Like, if, if he was on, I really would hate to see what the final score of that game was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Grizzlies attempted 102 shots, and that's attempted 82. So, like, you're not going to win many games when you get out-rebounded by damn near 30. 
you get outshot by 20. You shoot 29% from three. Absolutely. Honestly, the Nets only turned the ball over 12 times, which is pretty good for them. So, like, that was the one plus they had. But it was, I don't know, it was painful to watch. The, the lack of effort and focus was very apparent. Yeah, you can definitely tell. And, and we talked about Nash last episode. There was a, a lot of fans on Twitter calling for Nash's head again. So, it's been a common theme recently. No one really talks about him when the Nets are winning. And now that they went through that mini skit, it's, oh, Nash sucks. He needs to be fired. It's over. The Nets are never going to win with Steve Nash as head coach. And yeah. I will just say pump the brakes on that until further notice. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, all right. Let's go into the game that I want to talk about, you want to talk about, the fans want to listen to, they want to rewatch, they want to remember it. Indiana Pacers game, obviously, Kyrie Irving was back. And as everyone should have expected, Kyrie Irving took the first shot for the Mets. It wasn't a great shot, but <laughs> I love to see him be aggressive early on. And Steve Nash even said it was kind of like a welcome back gift. What did you thought on that? <laughs> uh, what, the missed shot was a welcome back gift? No, no. Steve Nash was like, yeah, I drew up the first play for Kyrie as a welcome back gift for him. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I mean, like, good. You want to get him involved early. Like like Kyrie said in his post-game interview, he said, he's like, the first shot was a bad shot. <laughs> he goes, it was just, <laughs> it was me just trying to get the first one to go in and get my first two points. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I, it makes a lot of sense for Kyrie to get the first play drawn up for him, especially against a depleted right. Pacer team where it's like, you would think going into the game that you could kind of have your way with that team. That turned out not to be the case <laughs> because yeah, of Lance Stevenson, but. <laughs> I was going to say, Lance Stevenson, that man dropped, he had what? I believe he had 20 in the first quarter and Katie had 16. He had 20 in the first quarter off the bench and then right. finished with 30. But like, my God, dude. I love the Kyrie quote post game. It's like I said to Lance Stevenson, I don't think you ever scored twenty and a quarter in your entire career. Yeah, yeah. He said he was saying it. He was just like, he was like, man, this is like a throwback. But I never seen you do it like this. And then James Harden was like laughing in his press conference, saying, "Ha ha! Of course it would happen to us." Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I mean. But- I mean, going into, like, the Kyrie stuff, he, he played pretty well. He had a, raw, a very rough first quarter. I mean, yeah. but, but once that second quarter hit and he was able to settle himself down, once he got taken out of the game and he came back in in the second and he actually was able to get himself going, it was it was, it was was the Kyrie show. It's what we all expected. Kyrie started 0 for 3, and then he finished 9 for 17. So, like, he, he was on for the rest of the game. He had a, he had a really good showing in his first night back. Yeah, and there was a spurt in the second quarter. It was early on, right when he came back in, where that man scored eight points, which felt about like three seconds, resulting in a Pacers timeout. <laughs> yeah. And there was the typical Kyrie highlights of that man going coast to coast, crazy finishes, crazy handles. It was a beautiful thing to watch. Getting himself to his mid range spots. He was getting like the wing and the over towards the wing and the mid range side, just knocking him down. It was it was beautiful. I, I we all missed that. Definitely, hundred percent. And unfortunately, we can't see it every game. But that's that'll be a discussion later in the episode. Um, the Mets' offense was obviously amazing, but 
their defense, especially in the first half, they gave up, what, 70-something in the first half. So like you said, a very, very depleted Pacers team. Yeah. And once again, it just screamed to me lack of effort. I agree. They scored 73 in the first half. Yeah, that's, that's absurd. Like, <laughs> I'm sure people are going to try to run away with the narrative. Oh, Kyrie Irving comes back and the opposing team scored 73. But, like, Kyrie Irving was one of the very few and only players actually competing on the defensive end. He was going on the floor. He was getting some rebounds. He was in the passing lanes. So, like, that narrative, I'm, I'm canceling it right now. Like, Kyrie Irving was very competitive on defense. Yeah, he was. He was He was definitely showing a lot of effort on the defensive side of the ball, which we can't say as of recent, especially in this skid that many others on the team have. So, and, and I mean, like, you saw once we got – once we hit halftime and we, everybody was able to, like, settle down once again and just, like, really – put their put it their stamp on the game just to realize like hey like this is like Kyrie is back like we gotta stop like stressing ourselves out we gotta play our brand of basketball so the second half they the Nets turned off they they put up over they put up over 70 in the second half and including in the fourth we outscored them by 15 35 to 20. It was just like we had they really just flipped the switch second half they knew what they needed to do and they really bared down and they got it done. Yeah, uh, we got to talk about Nash again and our thoughts on starting David Duke. Um, yeah, why the fuck would they do that? I'm sorry. <laughs> I I didn't get it. I'm like, Bembry has been so good. Like, why do you make like, this? You bench Bembry the entire first half? And then, yeah, I mean, it was... Like, just for example, like, David Duke played the first half and had Bembry's minutes, and he was a minus 13. Bembry came okay. in in the second half. And he had a plus 24. Yeah. It's just like, like, I don't really know what else to say. Like, why do you make that unnecessary change? Like, what do you think that David Duke is going to provide for you that DeAndre Bembry isn't already? I mean, yeah, I agree with you. Like, I can't argue with this (laughs) with you at all. Bembry played 20 out of 24 minutes in the second half. And like you said, he was a plus 24. He had 12 points, two blocks, two steals, one assist, five rebounds. He was five of five. Most of them were because he's so good at cutting off the ball. And when you have the big three and then Patty Mills, who are obviously spacing the floor incredibly, which is something we haven't seen from the Nets. There was times when there would be four guys in the paint, and last night there were zero, which is great to see. And Benbury cut so well. Um, it's, I don't know, man, like Nash has just got to be overthinking it. Cause like, to me, it's obvious that Bembry besides any of Harden and Durant, he's by far been the best wing player that the Nets have both defensively and even offensively with his cutting ability. He reminds me of Bruce Brown from last year, but an even better version of Bruce Brown. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree. Cause he just adds that size. And, I mean, he's only a little bit right. big, but he plays bigger than he is, just like Bruce does. But, like, if Bruce is 6'4", and he plays like he's 6'6", and Bembry's 6'5", he plays like he's 6'10". Like, it's like, it's really, it's like he just adds so much. I don't understand the logic of benching him for the entire first half. And then Bruce didn't play at all as well. And, like, I don't understand what's going through Nash's head when you have David Duke getting minutes in the throughout the first half and – 
you let up 73 points in the first half, and yet you don't play Bruce or Bembry throughout the game. It just it really didn't make sense to me. Nash's quote in post game was, "We didn't have any intention to bench Bembry. We were just trying something different." That's what he said. But my thing is, you're already trying something different. You're trying Kyrie Irving. Right. <laughs> How many right. different things do you want to try at once? That's what I'm saying. And that's where he messes himself up because he, he does yeah. try to exp- – when he gets in this mindset that, okay, we're making this change, so we're going to end up experimenting, he experiments too much. All you needed to do was take Patty Mills out of the starting lineup and plug Kyrie Irving in, keep everything the same, and you're completely fine. I Yeah, I agree, man. It's – yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Like, like you said, you're trying, you're already inserting Kyrie Irving. Like, I tweeted out before the game as a joke. It was like, watch Steve Nash start Cam Thomas instead of Kyrie Irving just to f with us all. And then he starts David Duke, and I was like, bro, like, what is this guy like? I swear, he just wants to set a new record every year for most starting lineups used in a season, just so he can have some kind of record. Yeah, well, we've been, we've been pretty lucky to be pretty consistent this year with our lineup for the most part outside of the the COVID team that we had to put together. But I think the Nets are still up to like 15 or 16 different lineups they've used this year, though. Yeah. It's, but like I you said, a majority of that was that stretch with COVID. Yeah, I don't think I don't think there's any chance that we beat uh, <laughs> that we beat last year's last year. What was it like? It was like almost 40 something it's like almost every yeah, it was, it was like up towards 40 it was like might have been like 37 so like basically almost every other game we didn't we had a new lineup yeah and i mean the reason they brought back Kyrie was because they basically said there's gonna be no continuity this year based with covid and like we're seeing it but at some point you hope they kind of the league as a whole and especially the nets get past it they can start building that momentum from playoff time. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I did like the way that Nash used Aldridge versus Claxton. Um, Aldridge was – I think Aldridge is actually – I think he's still a tremendous offensive player. And I love the way he can work pick and rolls with – or not, sorry, pick and pops with Harden. It's kind of a different look than what you get with Claxton, obviously, who's going to the rim to dunk on your entire family and do it very hard. And then he wants you to know about it because he's been a uh, showboat with a little bit on the rim lately, and I love it. Yeah, I, lo- I like it a lot. Clax is like Clax is one of those guys where like if he if he gets one to go down over you, you're gonna hear it, and you're probably oh, yeah. you're probably gonna hear it for the next one to two possessions as well. Yeah. Just because Clax is like one cocky one cocky kid and i love it because he's he's been playing amazing and he deserves to let people know about it <laughs> right yeah, i completely agree like he kind of came from nowhere most people didn't really have him on the radar obviously nets fans did because we're nets fans and we fall in love with rookies and then want them <laughs> to play every second of every game um <laughs> but Claxton, well, how, many, how many messages I get saying like, why isn't why isn't Cam playing? I'm like, because we we're loaded at the guard position now. Like, <laughs> I'm like, relax. I'm like, he's. I was like, yeah, he was great earlier, like in summer league and stuff. But like regular season, he's shooting like twenty something percent. We could lay off that for a little bit. <laughs> like, but like, since since you brought it up, I wasn't gonna do it. I've been arguing with several people about Cam Thomas. 
Do I like Cam Thomas as a player? Absolutely, 1,000%. I am not throwing any shade at Cam Thomas. This next team is championship or bust. I'll say it. When you have those three players, you win a championship or it is not a good season. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, last year was unfortunate given the injuries, and Cam Thomas has a ton of potential. But like you said, he is shooting 22% from three. Um, He can get to the basket. He can play make. He can score in the paint and in the mid-range. Don't get me wrong. He cannot catch and shoot. I believe, I don't know the exact number I tweeted out. I think it's like 27% I catch and shoot shots, which around James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving when he's there, you want players that can catch and shoot because there is only one basketball. Now when Kyrie Irving's out, sure, Cam Thomas should play, kind of get him in that role where he can have the ball in his hand. But – it's just it's kind of unbearable because like I get it, everyone falls in love with this player, whether it's Cam, whether it's Claxton, whether it's whoever, and it's like, why is Nash not playing? He's a horrible coach, like he needs to play, he needs to play, he needs to play. When the goal right now isn't to develop a rookie, the goal is to find the best eight players that can win you a championship in the summer. Yeah, absolutely. I it's like like you said, Cam is shooting whatever, 20-something percent off catch and shoot. And I'm willing to bet Patty Mills is probably shooting at least like 36. Like he's shooting at least 10 percentage points higher than Cam on those. And that's probably 100%. that's probably understating it. So it's just Bro, like even? it's like why why would you want to take out a guy like Patty Mills? What like while you have Kyrie Irving, uh, James Harden, Patty Mills, and like say like Bruce Brown qualifies as a guard, I guess. Like you have those four guys. Where is the where are the minutes for Cam? And like people are gonna point, people are gonna point to like when the rookies came in and they made that run against uh, the Grizzlies. I'm like, yeah, because it's the fourth quarter. All the guys they were going against are up to 40 minutes already, and they're all like, yeah. it's garbage time points. Like you got like they gotta like just relax right. a little bit. And I I love Cam too. I think he's gonna be great down the line for us. And like I don't think he's going anywhere because the the vets seem to love him. So like every, it's yes. like he's gonna be here, and they're gonna want to develop him more to the point where like yes, he can create his own shot, and he is great with the ball in his hand. But until he's able to like really consistently catch and shoot and and get shots created for him rather than creating his own, then he's not he's not gonna be able to see substantial time on this team as it's currently constructed. I 100% agree. I even threw out the name Kessler Edwards, and people were saying, oh, he's a second-round pick. He shouldn't play. But, like, he gives what the Nets need. Defense, he can rebound. And, I mean, obviously it's a very limited sample size, but he's shooting 47% on catch-and-shoot this year. Yeah. And I think he's mid to high 30s in three-point percentage. Granted, like I said, it's a very small sample size. He hasn't played much. But even in the G League in college, that's kind of what he was, was – a catch-and-shoot kind of player that played good defense, kind of like the typical 3-and-D. Yeah, I c- couldn't agree more. But don't get me wrong, whether that's your full strength, I don't think Kessler Edwards should be in the lineup either. When Joe Harris is back, there's no room for any of these rookies to play. I don't care what anyone says. The goal, especially come playoff time, is to win the championship. The whole point is the experimenting needs to stop. You plug Kyrie and you plug in Joe Harris – and you're already like you've had you haven't had those two for the majority of the year, and you're the second seed in the Eastern Conference right now. Your third and fourth highest paid players on the team are not active, 
and you're the second seed in the Eastern Conference. Like, you don't need to really experiment. You know what you have. So just don't fuck around. Like, just do what you do, what everybody knows you should be doing. Yeah, I mean, the rotation should be very, should be obvious to me. Like, I don't get it, but I mean, it's like, I don't know. All right, enough harping on this. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Just one more thing with the Pacers game. Um, and that's scored 129. That is their second most that they've scored this season. Um, the other one was against Toronto when it went to overtime. They scored 131. Obviously, with Kyrie Irving playing and Kevin Durant, James Harden, Patty Mills, Joe Harris, and you have that kind of offensive weapons, the goal should be to score 150 every game. So I want to see them to continue playing with that pace um, that they haven't been playing with all season because it they should want to run teams and shoot teams out of the gym because there's no one that can score with that trio with that amount of shooters around them. So that's something I want to see keep going forward. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. It's you got it's it should be an unstoppable offensive unit and it, and it is when they're all there. But, you know, and the situation with Kyrie right now is the next two games we won't have him, but we'll see Kyrie Monday. Yes, I was going to say that. So we saw Kyrie Irving. It was great to see him back on the court. Obviously, he played his ass off. He competed. He said it was his favorite debut he's ever had in his career and that nothing had ever compared to this. Um, You saw him in his press conference. I believe it was with Grady. When Kevin Durant came up to him, um, that was very cool to see. You saw the interaction he had with his dad after the game where he gave him his jersey, which was also incredible to see. He gave some other stuff to some fans that was sitting courtside on his way out the arena. So Kyrie Irving was very grateful to be back. And you can tell that he's missed being around this group and he's genuinely missed playing the game of basketball. Yeah, he definitely did. And he's somebody who always who always is grateful to be on the court. And he says it time after time again. So it, it was just great to see him back out there. His energy is infectious. And uh, and it, it was just really fun to see him out there. Um, and, yeah, now apparently he's already voted uh, sixth in, uh, <laughs> in all-star voting for guards yeah, after his first game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so while we're on that, I'll uh, – I'll uh I'll read out the standings for Nets in uh in the uh, All Star voting. So KD is currently on pace to be the team captain for the East, and Curry is leading All Star voting in the West. Harden is currently second for guards, so that would earn him a starting nod. Kyrie is sixth, and then Lamarcus Aldridge is actually ninth for forwards. Yeah. So yeah, that's it's interesting. I mean, Kyrie obviously he shouldn't be there. That's just that's where <laughs> trying to get him to play. So that that's fun. But you know, keep just keep voting Kyrie. See what we can do. <laughs> oh yeah, let's let's get Kyrie there. The uh, the goal of the Arsenal game is to have the best players. If he's only played four games, he's still one of the best players in the league, and we want to see him poop. So keep keep voting, keep retweeting. Let's get Kyrie there. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah, Lamarcus. Lamarcus at ninth for forwards isn't too surprising, just because of his offensive resurgence this year. Obviously, it's not like prime Lamarcus Aldridge scoring, but people saw early in the year that he was shooting like eighty-two percent on like mid-range jumpers for like a month and a half. 
<laughs> so I guess we were throwing his name in there. Yeah, man. Even still, like that man's insane. It's I don't know if the Nets would be if Lamarcus didn't come back because their backup big would have been I don't know who. <laughs> and I mean, I know Blake's been great at stretches. I guess great might be a strong word, but <laughs> but he's been he's been playable in stretches. Obviously, there's been stretches when he hasn't been playable. But Lamarcus Aldridge, he's still shooting 56% from the field, which is very good. He has an effective field percentage of 58, shooting 84% from the free throw line. These are all like career highs for Lamarcus Aldridge. Obviously, he's not shooting at the volume that he was in his prime because he's on the Nets. He's an old man now, but he's still been incredible and he absolutely deserves the votes he's been getting. And also, Nets world is strong. Don't listen to any of this nonsense that you're hearing. Oh, there's only 10 fans. No, 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 no. The Nets are here. Their fans are getting loud. They're getting cocky. We're here. We're here to stay, too. So get used to us. Because <laughs> we ain't going nowhere. Nowhere. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. Week ahead. Um, we got Bucks tomorrow at home. No Kyrie, of course. They don't have Drew Holiday. Then we got the Spurs Sunday. I believe they moved that game to 12 o'clock. Yeah, it's a noon game. So that's kind of strange. You don't really see that too often in the NBA. So you got Anthony's picks? Yeah, Anthony has – we are losing against Milwaukee and we are winning against the Spurs. All right, Joe, you're, I haven't passed you yet, so I'm going to follow <laughs> the rules of that. You're ahead of me. You got to pick first, man. So luckily for me, I can kind of make the rules up as I go. I hate to say it. I'm copying it. Uh, no, 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 never mind. Never mind. I'm taking two wins. I'm taking two wins. I said I was going to copy Anthony, but he always takes two wins. That's why I said it. But <laughs> True. He but, does always do that. I'm going to take two wins on this one. I'm going to uh, – nah, hold on. I, I like to hear what you guys say, so I know what I want to do. <laughs> I'm going to go the exact opposite of both you clowns, and I'm going to take the lead after this weekend. Oh, Actually, I can't. I can only tie you. Tie Anyways, me. I'm going to go win against Milwaukee. How, how Spurs, uh, had sad the, Spurs had like four guys go into protocols today. I know. I saw that. That's why. All right. I'm going to win with both. I'm going uh, same as Joe. We're gonna, we're gonna all be tied at the you're just, you're just bailing off me now. I see. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, until uh, I'm not last, I can do that. Good <laughs> all right, fair. I'm gonna ride this. I'm gonna try to stay tied with you guys as long as possible, so that I can always pick last and I always have the advantage. <laughs> <laughs> and final weekend of the season, you get all three games right, and <laughs> then you take That's this. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Ultimate strategy. <laughs> um, anything else you want to talk about before we head out? No, I'm just excited for uh, for these upcoming games. Hopefully, we could pull out two wins so I could take the full lead over Anthony. And uh, <laughs> and uh, then we get to see Kyrie back on Monday. But we'll be talking to you guys before then. And we'll probably record again Monday, either before or after the game. I'm not sure. But, yeah. Either way, anytime we get to see Kyrie Irving on a basketball court is a privilege for not only Nets fans, but fans of the game in general. 
because he is absolutely amazing to watch play basketball. So whether you hate the Nets, whether you hate his vaccination stance, whatever, anytime Kyrie Irving is on the basketball court, it is good for the NBA. Just remember that. Absolutely. Um, and as always, this is Cody Mallory, your host, Sports Ethos Nets podcast. Um, once again, I was just joined by Joe Farrow tonight as Anthony is – in Chicago, apparently, he told me that there's no Wi-Fi there. I don't know if any of you live in Chicago. If you can confirm that, but uh, we'll, we'll have to ask Anthony next episode. <laughs> Once again, he's not here to defend himself. But thank you for tuning in. As always, please comment, like, subscribe, tweet at us. We had no questions today, which is pretty upsetting. Granted, I sent out the tweet about ten minutes before we recorded, so that was probably my fault. <laughs> but. For the next episode, shoot them at us, let us know. And as always, thank you for tuning in.